0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We will get you some NBA updates later. Trade deadline almost here. Warriors and Cavaliers actually have some significant concerns. Rick Finell, the Charlotte Observer, in about 60 minutes. But joining us now, you know how it works in this neighborhood. If I had a Duke guest the day before the Blue Devils traveled to Carolina in the resumption of that world-renowned rivalry, and I didn't have a Carolina guest at some point, The sky would fall. Crazy stuff would happen. We'd be on the wrong end of some angry people. We can't let that happen. So soon after, All-American and National Champion John Shire of the Duke Blue Devils joins us. We welcome in All-American and National Champion for the North Carolina Tar Heels, Eric Montross. Like Shire... Still an assistant coach at Duke. Eric remains involved in his program. He is an outstanding radio analyst on the Tar Heel Sports Network. Eric Montras, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you?
1: Well, DG, I'm doing well. I just wondered do we have to
0: pay homage to the Eagles to be on your show uh, today? You, you are so kind. Uh, it helps. I mean, flattery will get you everywhere, as I like to say. Uh, but yeah, you're such a good guy. It is. A, it, it was a special trip for me. I took my son out there. I met some of my childhood friends from Philly out there. So it ended up being one of the greatest trips of my life, period. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But given your generosity, there was no quid pro quo here. You're just, we're just happy to have you.
1: No, man. Look, it's uh, it was fun to fun to hear your stories. I mean, from uh, from the opposite perspective and watch you uh, play a role in in that game, and obviously with your childhood and and that really dovetails into what we're talking about today, which is creating memories. And and this rivalry certainly has plenty of those.
0: He's a pro. That's a transition. Did you catch that? All right. Before we dive into the details, Shire had musician Mike Posner. At his wedding reception, and when a Posner song was played by the band, Posner grabbed the microphone and performed it himself for John and his wife. Who were the most famous people at your wedding reception, Eric Montross? Because, you know, it's all about the rivalry. We have to compare you and Shire.
1: Yeah, Dean Smith.
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right advantage tar heels as much as i like (laughs) Posner, advantage i'm not
1: sure i'm not sure that coach smith has quite the singing voice but look uh it didn't matter it didn't matter i i I win that because shire's not here to dispute it
0: not at at any point did coach smith grab the microphone at at your wedding reception he seems like more of a low-key congratulations eric kind of guy
1: yeah, that would have been, uh, let's just say that would have been off the ledger for him. He would not have, he, he would have He would have had to, that would not have been his M.O.
0: Okay, one more rivalry question. Shire recently had to turn to Coach K and say, my wife is in labor and I have to leave this game. Do you have any similarly scintillating details related to the birth of any of your children?
1: I will tell you that uh, when my daughter was born at UNC Hospital's, Uh, I sat down in a, in what they had kind of a a day bed. It it turns in from a chair to a bed. And I sat down on that and broke through it and went straight to the floor. So that is my only, that is my only highlight moment. Uh, that that isn't really a good comparison, but I'm going with.
0: See, we always come back to an even ledger because that's advantage Duke. I got to give that one to Shire. But Dean Smith at the wedding reception is Advantage Montrose slash UNC. So we're right back to ground zero. Given that you, like Shire, were a transplant to the state of North Carolina, you came from Indiana, what was your example of the greatest rivalry in all of sports before you got to play in and now call Duke Carolina basketball games?
1: Well, I grew up in Big Ten countries, so it was always about Indiana-Purdue. It was about Michigan-Ohio State. Uh, my, my dad had, and my grandfather had both played at Michigan, so the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry was, was pretty incredible. But growing up in between uh, Purdue just to my north 30 minutes and IU to my south by an hour, uh, that rivalry was, was really all I had ever been exposed to. And growing up, that, was, that, that took the cake.
0: Eric Montross joining us. He was a two-time consensus All-American as a player for the Tar Heels in the early 90s, a national championship, a national champion for Dean Smith with the 1993 Tar Heels. As a player, what did you experience that all these years later when you reflect back, you say, yeah, that was an example of how these Duke Carolina games were different than the rest? I have a few things in mind, but I I wanted to hear you first. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I will tell you this: um, the thing that that comes to mind is just the uh, the surrounding emotion of this game differentiates it from any other game that you're a part of. It it, it takes it. I'm not going to say that it uh, that it trumps a national championship from the feel of it, but um, but that's about the only thing that I can think of that, in a different way, maybe trumps the experience because. You have Hall of Fame coaches, you have storied programs, you have incredible players, and you have a national stage. And it's something that everybody cares about. And so everybody takes their passion, pours it into it. And to me, more than any one memory, it's the collective cumulative effect of all those pieces coming together.
0: I'll never forget when you were standing at the free throw line in a Duke Carolina game with blood coming down from under one of your eyes. Like, I will never look in life as tough as Eric Montrose looked in that moment. And hes you are a gentle giant by nature as I see it, but you looked tougher than any combination of Clint Eastwood, Jackie Chan, and any other tough guy in the history of cinema in that moment. Have you ever told your children about the blood coming down the cheek story from a Duke Carolina basketball game?
1: I have tried, and, they, and I try to tell them that I'm just this rough and tough guy, and they look at me like, Dad, what? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and, yeah, right, Dad. But, you know, it was interesting. Somebody said to me this week, they said that image is something that plays on ESPN. It's in the, in the minds of so many of our fans. And I say, yeah, think of all the money that I've had to spend over the years to keep that relevant. <laughs> so, you know, but, it's a, but it's a, it was, you know, those are, those are the moments that, that we enjoy remembering. And, uh, and certainly because we won that game, DG, I can think fondly back to that and uh, look at the scar and reflect positively on it.
0: Do you know off the top of your head, your head-to-head record against the Blue Devils while wearing the Tar Heel uniform?
1: I think we were even. I think we batted 500. I I want to say it was five and five. If I'm not incorrect, do you know?
0: I don't know. So many guys. I mean, from from Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, uh, Shire just mentioned that he had a losing record. So Darren, write that down. If Montrose is accurate. Uh, that would be advantage Tar Heels because Shire was 3-5. and five. Montrose believes he was 5-5. Five and five. We will double-check those numbers for their accuracy. But a lot of these guys walk around decades later, Eric, and they know. I mean, it just symbolizes this rivalry in one more way that you see NBA players tweeting about it, some of your other Carolina family friends talking about it. Uh, how, do you, how do you describe that to outsiders when it comes to a big game like this, even beyond the guys on the current teams?
1: I, I think the best way to describe it is that just everybody cares. Nobody rides the fence in this yeah. game. Everybody cares. And, and that's the thing that makes it so fun. Uh, you know, somebody said to me that um, one, of, one of Carolina's guys had, quote, thrown shade at NC State to say that they, hadn't, they were, uh, had two rivalry games this week. And the response was, well, really, there's just one rivalry game this week. And they said, Montrose, what do you think about that? Uh And I said, you know, it's not throwing shade uh, at NC State. What it's really doing is saying you look at two Hall of Fame coaches, programs that have had consistency over the last 30 years to be at the very top. It's really more about the, the, the consistency of those programs. And I think that's what embodies this game as much as anything, BG.
0: Eric Montross joining us, Tar Heels Sports Network radio analyst. It is the Blue Devils visiting Carolina tomorrow night. Both teams ranked in the national top 25. Eric will be a part of the radio call. The game is so big that ESPN will broadcast it in some parts of the country. The ACC network gets it for most of us in this part of the country. Carolina's three-point defense has become a head-scratching issue because against two-pointers, they actually play pretty good defense, but yet you know this better than I. I mean, the Wolfpack had that parade of three-pointers. Others have done it as well. What's the best way to assess what's wrong from Carolina's perspective when it comes to giving up three plus three plus three plus three three and where Roy Williams takes this team from here?
1: You know, I feel like the opponents' coaches nowadays are just saying – they're trying to instill and infuse in their shooters the fact that look, guys, you too can be a part of the of the march yeah. ahead of opponents. Just uh, you know, thrashing through Carolina's defense, making shots. The interesting, you know, the interesting numbers on this, and I'm not disputing at all what you're saying because it has been a head scratcher. I mean, Pitt at the end of the first half, which was our most recent game, Pittsburgh uh, comes out and they have made three-pointers in the first half. That's more than that team typically makes in an entire game. Um, But the interesting point is that our opponents in games that we've lost, they shoot 41% from behind the arc. In games that Carolina wins, they shoot 37%. It's not a huge difference. It's not like they're shooting 30% and 50%. So Carolina has been giving up three-pointers, and typically, when you think about Carolina's teams, even when they have been the best teams, and I still think this team has capacity to improve and be a very good team from where they are right now, which is not a bad team, Um, but I think that this team has been susceptible uh, to the dribble drive. That's not a new story. I mean, that's, that's something that when you cover us, you know that Carolina has been historically susceptible. To the dribble drive yeah. and now guys I think uh, as the opponents know that they're going to have an opportunity to make shots and so certainly that's something that's been on the forefront of Carolina's mind as how they defend that more effectively.
0: Shire mentioned that this is a little bit of an upside down Duke Carolina matchup in that as you know seven footer Uh, From Dean Smith to Roy Williams, you guys are usually about two post players and inside-out offensive basketball. And that's not nearly as much the case for Carolina. And Duke is often the one post player surrounded by four perimeter. And yet now they're going through two guys that are 6'11 or 7 feet tall. Marvin Bagley III and Wendell Carter Jr. How do you expect those themes to play out tomorrow night? Do you see an advantage to one side or the other with this sort of upside down script that we're talking about?
1: Well, there's no question that that the strength of Duke this year falls more inside the paint than it has in the past. I would argue that their most relevant presence against the Tar Heels is the rebounding that you see out of Bagley and you see out of Wendell Carter Jr. You look at those two guys, and these are stats you probably know, but maybe not everybody does. Carter in the three of the last four games has had double-figure rebounds in in a big way, 15, 15, and 12. Bagley, seven of the last 10 games have been double-figure rebounds. Now, he's obviously averaging a double-double, but I think that that's the piece that if you look at Carolina's team, even though they've held a rebounding edge on their opponents for most of the season, what you find is that that's an area of susceptibility, particularly when you have guys the size of Bagley and Carter um, and the fact that they have such a propensity to be on the offensive glass. You've got guys that a third of their rebounds and more are offensive. And so for Carolina, if you already have a little bit of a, of a setback from a size standpoint and match up on the interior, do you risk becoming in foul trouble? Can you keep those guys off the rim? And I don't know. That's a question that that so much about this game and so much about what Carolina does is when they are at their best, they're controlling possessions and adding to their own number of possessions versus their opponents, getting that extra opportunity around the glass. I think the rebounding edge uh, right now has to sit in Duke's lap because of their presence so far. But offensively, they also have an incredible presence. You know, Luke May, Uh, is interesting because he's a guy for Carolina. If you said, what is your interior presence, you would say, well, it's Luke May. Well, he's averaging a double-double, almost 20 points a game, almost 11 rebounds a game, certainly nothing nothing to, to sneeze at. And yet you look at the way he plays, he's really not a post player. He's a guy that's much more of kind of that stretch four Uh, I mean, my goodness, he's shooting 53% from behind the arc in games that Carolina wins. And uh, for the ACC season, he's shooting 49% from behind the arc. So you look at these two teams, they are different, but I still think they're both playing. They're doing what Coach Krzyzewski and Coach Williams do well. They focus on their strength, and this year their strengths do happen to be inverted.
0: Last thing for Eric Matras of the Tar Heel Sports Network. It is number nine Duke at number twenty-one North Carolina tomorrow night eight o'clock. I think of Luke May and Joel Berry as proven commodities. Uh, they're both going to be on my All ACC ballot somewhere. You mentioned the Tar Heels' potential for growth. When you think about, say, from right now to when we all head to Brooklyn for the ACC tournament, who's next for Roy Williams? Who who can become? closer to that proven commodity because watching from the outside I mean sometimes when Cam Johnson is hitting threes I think it's going to be him earlier this year Kenny Williams was playing so well at both ends I thought it was going to be him some nights it is Theo Pinson some nights it's not some nights it's one of those young guys some nights they're not very good I where is that potential for growth most likely to come in your eyes
1: I think that it comes in the form of consistency. You know, the one guy that has been fairly consistent throughout the season uh, with basically being a playmaker is Theo Pinson. Yeah. Theo is is a guy that registers a little bit off the radar, I, but he's not really my answer to your question. I think that he's a guy that Carolina has to have as the glue for the mixture to really to really gel together. I think that the piece that I would tell you is, in answer to your question, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, yep. if the consistency of Carolina is going to be there for the last stretch of the season, the fact is that Carolina can do, if, if they did nothing to improve their defense, and yet if they improve their offensive production, that just means shoot the basketball with a little more consistency, then I think that's where you want to see it. And I think that As much as you'd like to say that Joel Berry could make an improvement in his uh, overall shooting percentage, I really think that the guys that have the opportunity to make the greatest impact, the unknown quantity or the entity, uh, because you just said you know about Joel, you know about Luke. So Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams, to me, can their offensive production and shooting percentages be consistent enough to lift these heels over some of their opponents.
0: Real quick, will the Montrose household, I mean, you haven't bounced the ball in a Carolina uniform officially since the 1990s. Would the Montrose household be different tomorrow on Duke Carolina day, or is it more business as usual with the wife and kids?
1: You know, uh, my son is in school at Carolina. Uh, My daughter is not yet in school here. Uh, My wife is a crazed maniac (laughs) when it comes to being a Tar Heel fan. Uh, I, I feel like that even if I was not wearing a Carolina uniform, my wife would absolutely have us decked out head to toe going nuts tomorrow.
0: I forgot that you had a child as old as my child. I totally forgot. I, for some reason, I think of you as uh, a little bit younger. But, yeah, the, the house, the Matras household will be in an uproar. That's the way it's supposed to be in the Duke family and the Carolina family. Thanks for the extended visit, man. It's always great to hear your voice. And you are a true pro to throw an Eagles bouquet my way when it's, we're really here to talk about Duke Carolina. I really appreciate that.
1: Hey man, it's always fun. DG, thanks so much. I always appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you. You do a great job and we're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow night and uh, we'll always enjoy creating new stories.
0: Thanks man. Eric Montross on Twitter at Eric Montross and always on the radio with Jones Angel on the Tar Heel Sports Network.